Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Teresa Montero, joined on the phone by Jeff Howie, Strategic Market Analyst at the SDX, and in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong. Now, we've had an interesting week, a little bit up, a little bit down. Today, the SDI is in the green 0.32% to 3,194 points. Um, JP will set the stage for us before we talk about whether the Nodex numbers had any effect on the SDI today. Well, it's a very interesting set of uh, n- uh, setup, at least for the SDI today. As we mentioned, solidly in the green, trading about 10 points higher, 3,194, uh, give or take. And we're seeing value turnover. It's a little thinner than we've seen as compared to the first quarter averages, but about 604.5 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. So e- compared to the rest to, to earlier this week, we're seeing value turnover and appetites at least improving a little bit. But as we've also noted in the recent sessions, a lot a lot of the appetite, a lot of the trading really picks up towards the tail end of the afternoon session. We suddenly see these sudden jumps that pushes it to about a billion Singapore dollars in total for the for that for that day. Um, more winners than losers uh, so far. So we're seeing the second and third lighters also getting some love. 220 stocks, REITs and trusts that are trading in the green. You have 160 that are in the red. So overall, a lot of the sentiment here in Singapore has been fairly positive and it's looking pretty positive across the region also. And this after a strong handover from Wall Street where we saw uh, the Dow Jones, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq all perform in rather brisk fashion, gaining ground. And that was on the back of positive macro data from the United States REIT sales apparently jumped by the most since May of 2020. They also reported March factory output growing significantly. And more, arguably the most important of that trifecta of data from the U.S., jobless claims falling uh, to just 576,000 filings uh, for jobless benefits, which is lower than what people were expecting and also trending downwards. Uh, this all supporting sentiment out on Wall Street that's carried over into, into the region. And of course, the big data point here in the region is that China's GDP figures did come out and did go, showed that first quarter GDP actually surged by more than 18%. That's a spectacular bounce back for the world's second largest economy. And this all just helping back uh, backstop a decent outing for other markets in the region. We take a look, for instance, at the Nikkei 225, which is trading about 0.1% in the green so far today. According to Bank of Japan, uh, Governor Haruhiko Kuroda, he says that there is no need to change their 2% inflation goal. Um, uh, Australian markets, though, looking a bit more uh, rest they're f- fairly flat and unchanged in today's session, but Australia markets also had a pretty decent run of uh, a run of the last couple of sessions. Um, a decent macro data that points to a stronger economic out uh, bounce back, at least out in Australia. We have seen the unemployment rate down under fall to pre-pandemic levels. So just uh, highlighting how how impressive that bounce back has been. The South Korean Kospi today uh, uh, trading about two points in the green. We have the Taiwan weighted exchange also trading about twenty one points higher out in Taipei. Mainland Chinese markets, though, reacting in mixed fashion to these, uh, this GDP report. The Shanghai Composite is in the green, rising by half a percent. But we do see that the Shenzhen Bourse today is trading about seven and a half points in the red. And there are some concerns about the fallout with regards to the, to the decline in uh, the, uh, the sudden plunge in bonds from that, from that group, Huarong Asset Management. And this will have some bounce um, more if this will feed into 
into other asset classes across the mainland Chinese markets. The Hang Seng, though, today is looking pretty steady. They're trading about 62 points higher out in Hong Kong. So pretty much a set of gains. And as you mentioned also, Clarissa, that we did hear that we did see that the non-oil domestic exports here in Singapore did show uh, did show a brisk uh, brisk gains, about 12.1% higher year on year in the month of March. And, and they did note that the electronics exports actually performed quite well. Circuit boards were actually uh, a standout export, despite the fact that we are the world is undergoing a global chip shortage. So just ju- it's also testament to how strong uh, the manufacturing and sturdy the manufacturing sector in Singapore has been. Keep in mind that the manufacturing was also arguably the standout element, at least, in Singapore's imp- surprising 0.2% year-on-year growth in the, those forward first-quarter GDP estimates. Um, all of this all just uh, painting a more rosy picture for the STI. And while the blue-chip blue benchmark isn't running away with things, they are up by about 10.5 points. And I think we'll take that to end the, end the week, should these gains be sustained. Oh, we can ask for a little bit better than that, but uh, we'll take where we are now. There's the high now. expectations you raised in Mother and you talking, by the way. Of course. <laughs> now we bring Jeff Howie into the conversation. Earlier this week, we did have advanced estimates from the MTI that also pointed to growth. The Nodex numbers that came out this morning certainly pointing to growth. It's all looking pretty good. Yeah, look, that, those Nodex numbers, what was it, 12.1% year on year. So it, it, it extends those 4.2% gains year on year in Feb. And very, that was very similar to, remember, we also had a very strong number in January. It was up 12.6% year-on-year in January. So when uh, JP mentioned those electronic exports, they were very high, up 25.4% year-on-year. Uh, that's that's the highest growth year-on-year recorded for our electronics exports since May of 2017. And I, I, I think... Um, uh, it's, this is really important for our trade and manufacturing stocks because I think electrical uh, machinery, equipment, machinery, um, you know, including co- computers, it makes up half of our export dollar value here in Singapore. And we, and we did see it as well. Remember early in the week, the prelim uh, first quarter GDP report that showed manufacturing grew that 7.5% year on year, which extended the 10.3% year on year growth in the fourth quarter. But as seen... Um, in 2020 last year, growth of the sector has really been supported by output expansions in electronics uh, with our strong, resilient supply chains here, uh, also benefiting uh, precision engineering and, and to a lesser extent chemicals and biomedicals. But uh, at the same time, we continue to watch really closely the transport engineering and the general manufacturing side of it. Um, so those numbers were uh, for, the, for the GDP report, and that was based on January, February. So, so you can see that there's, there's been an increase in momentum on the trade front um, with our manufactured export somewhat in March uh, for when the real number comes through or the final number comes through in May. But uh, I, I guess I should mention that a number of SGX-listed stocks that are very trade and manufacturing related. They've also been recipient to net institutional and proprietary inflows in the first half of April. If you look at uh, Young Zijang Shipbuilding, Nanofilm Technologies Venture, UMS and Franken Group, they, they made up a third of the 15 stocks that have recorded the highest net insti and proprietary inflows since the end of March. And, and those five stocks, they've all gained in the month to date, averaged around 3% gains, bringing their uh, 2021 year-to-date gains to just over 20%. And then on the logistics front, you've got Maple Tree Logistics Trust, Costco Shipping, 
uh, Costco Shipping International Singapore, I should say, Ascendus REIT, making up one-fifth of those 15 stocks that recorded the highest net instability and prop inflows um, since since the beginning of this month. Um, Maple Tree Logistics Trust is up 3%. Costco Shipping International Singapore is up more than 20% so far this month and Ascendus REIT up 2% so far this month. So um, logistics activities, they make up around 70% of Costco Shipping International turnover. Um, well, that's what they did in FY20. Um, and back in FY20, its net profit was up 13% from FY19. And the group's goal is to continue building a regional logistics integrated network in South and Southeast Asia. So that, that this is where we have these 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 tried and tested supply chains, per se. Um, and just, just to look at, at the broader performances this month, there's also this trade and manufacturing uh, sub-theme working. You can see Hong Leong Asia, Semcorp Marine, Micromechanics, Hutchport Holdings Trust. They've also been among the top 20 performers of our broader FTSE STOR share index. And I should also, just one more thing on this manufacturing side, Uh, we should point out that Top Glove Corp, Medtex International, Riverstone Holdings, UG Healthcare and Aspen Group have been uh, generally symmetrical gainers so far this month. They've averaged around 12% gains, uh, with 4% gains lodged just yesterday. And it has coincided with the daily new global COVID-19 cases returning to more than 800,000 people per day. Um, which we saw back in very early January, and it's up significantly from the less than 400,000 people per day that we saw uh, between mid-Feb and mid-March. And obviously the the cases in India have been a pretty big part of that. But I guess, uh, unfortunately, on the other side of that gain in that we've seen in the in the cases, uh, the Singapore Airlines share price is down so far around 3% in April. And after the close yesterday, our flag carrier did note that uh, at the end of March, its group capacity reached 23% of pre-COVID levels. Now, that was lower than the earlier expectation of around 25% of pre-COVID levels, uh, but they, they maintain passenger capacity is expected to keep growing moderately uh, to around 27% of pre-COVID levels uh, by June 2021. So I should also note that, uh, as I said, SQ is down uh, 3% so far in April, and that's really in line with global airlines as well. They're, they're pretty much down 2% in the April month to date, um, yet still are, are overall maintaining double-digit year-to-date returns. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the things that everyone is going to be asking, the numbers from Nodix, the Nodix numbers were released early this morning. It is Friday. It's not a lot of time for the markets to react. So how is it going to look next week? How is it going to influence markets next week? Well, well, I think it, 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 it type of sustains the moves. Um, yeah, as I said, the, the, the manufacturing stocks have been a comparatively stronger, stronger aspect of our market so far in the year to date. And uh, it, 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 if, I, if, I, if, I, if I use the word justify or sustains the move per se, it doesn't necessarily mean that the momentum's going to continue, but it just proves that, yeah, the market did have their expectations right. Um, you know, if, 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 the, if, the, if the numbers came in poorly, you would see a quick turnaround. And, and I guess the, the, the bigger global thing this week, it, it, with the context of what I just said, has been the banks, because... Um, the steepening of the 2.10 US note yield curve from 80 basis points to 160 basis points in the first quarter, it was all on the expectations of eventual normalisation. Um, and, and that and that sort of taken a little bit of a, 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 
a, uh, a little bit of a delay, I guess, in those expectations or less optimistic given the surge in COVID, um, the COVID cases as well as some of the vaccine developments recently. But look, this was the key driver for the rally in global banks in the first quarter. Now, during April, we've seen the curve flatten somewhat from 160 basis points to 140 basis points. Um, and the global banks have been comparatively muted. They haven't reversed those gains quickly. And this week... We saw the big U.S. banks report their first quarter mm -hmm. 21 earnings. So we had the report. The financials of J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citi, Goldman Sachs, they mostly beat expectations. And that, in turn, has justified their comparatively strong moves of the first quarter of 2021 and, and those improved operating conditions and the growth in wealth management services that the market did expect those, those banks to attain. It was reported to have attained it. So um, the case in point is we, we saw the 210 US note yield flatten by around 4% last night, but US banks only came off just 1%, basically, um, you know, buoyed somewhat to picking up, picking up uh, uh, so, some interest following that their, um, uh, following their, uh, finding some support, I should say, following the results that have just come out uh, this week. And then I should also mention that, again, given where we are in the world, so much of our moves are sector-driven. So DBS, OCBC and UOB, they have continued to trade in line with the global bank, so much so that our Singapore trio and the global bank indices are both up 16% in the 2021 year to date. Our three banks have averaged a 16% gain just in line with the global bank indices. But for our banks, uh, they, won't, they, they, they don't report that quickly um, as, as, as the US banks have. Our banks will uh, release, uh, DBS will release its first quarter 21 update on the 30th of April. And then I think UOB um, before the open on the 6th of May. And then OCBC will be before the open on the 7th of May. Uh, just to uh, touch on uh, something that Jeff, uh, we were talking about with regards to the Nod X uh, figures as well. I mean, I think in some sense it was a surprise that it grew by more than 12%, but then again it wasn't because we have seen exports from some of these industrial powerhouses. China, for instance, earlier this week saying that the first quarter exports surged by more than 38%. South Korea's exports for the first 10 days also of, of April also performing quite well. So you already had some hints, I think. You can argue that the exports from Singapore were also going to a surprise to the upside. I think one of the things that really might be driving um, sentiment in this particular sector also is the fact that a lot of these big chip makers, electronics makers, continue to expand their production. We saw TSMC earlier this week, Taiwan Semiconductor, the biggest foundry, chip foundry in the world, say uh, th they're first quarter profits surged by 19%. They said they are going to up their capex this year. Um, Intel also on the other side saying, hey, you know what, we're also going to double down and start providing more chips for the auto sector and also expanding our our factories. And all of this will also impact the supply chain of people of, uh, of, of uh, companies that don't just supply components to them, but also equipment, the likes of AEM and UMS. We've talked about these two particular companies as being parts of that particular uh, uh, the, of, of the global semiconductor supply chain. So as as there is this race to try and meet, expand capacity and meet this chip shortage for the most part, you will see this also pull on the manufacturers here. We saw that the electronics exports did did phenomenally well despite the global chip shortage. I think the big questions moving forward is, can they repeat this and defy the global chip shortage to continue to perform quite well? Can they actually meet the challenge of meeting some of the demand from some of their biggest customers in the world? I think these are some of the big questions I think folks will have to ask themselves about this particular space because it's looking very rosy, but as always, the the bar is always set higher, right? So can they actually uh, can they actually be up to the task should the chip shortage prolong itself? 
Yeah, exactly. And it's good to have, uh, as, as JP said, multiple customers, multiple companies, multiple countries. I, th- I think um, the Nodex expanded in six out of our 10 measured destinations and, and the exports to Europe actually rose for the first time in five months by, uh, by more than 30% year on year as well. Mm-hmm. So a quick look into next week. Um, are we going to hit 3,200? <laughs> 32. Yes, 3,200. We didn't see it this week, did we? No, we didn't. I think one thing that was very telling when I spoke, I'll go back to my interview with Margaret Yang last Tuesday, actually. She did note that that sentiment has been more cautious here in Singapore for Mm -hmm. the most part. And one thing she points out, pointed out was there are going to be some earnings releases coming up in the next couple of weeks here in Singapore. And the big question now is, okay, we've seen the strong economic rebound across the world, including here in Singapore. But of course, we have to connect the economic rebound to the corporate reality. Have the corporates been able to uh, benefit also and show recovery in their earnings releases for the first three months of the year? Will this actually translate? And while there are big hopes that this could actually happen, we're going to have to wait for the report cards before anybody actually makes any big moves. These are some of the things, at least that at least uh, what, what they're tracking over at Daily FX. Well, I can say this. We are now up 0.45%, 3,199 points. So we could very well see 3,200 by the end of the mm-hmm. day. <laughs> and on that positive note, this has been Market View Wrap. I'm Clarissa Montero. We were joined on the phone by Jeff Howie, Strategic Market Analyst at the SGX, and of course in the studio by finance presenter, JP Ong, who will have another market view update for you on Primetime. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.